Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome in to the first episode of the Believe in Royals podcast. I'm Alex Hughes. There's Jeremy Danner, but everyone that knows him except his wife calls him Danner. How are we all doing today? Dude, I'm good. I'm, I'm so excited to get started on this. Um, love baseball, love the Royals, love talking about baseball and the Royals, so this is going to be perfect. I 100% agree, and it's so exciting. I know um, we've known each other just on Twitter, but we've gotten to know each other um, throughout these last few weeks as we've been preparing for this podcast. And the first episode, uh, Danner, is with none other than Major League Baseball Hall of Famer and Kansas City Royals great George Brett. So not a bad way to kick off this brand new Royals podcast, right? No, it's incredible. Uh, it has me nervous for what are we going to do next? How are we going to top George Brett? And the answer is, we're not. We're going to do our best. <laughs> right. We're starting off at the top, and we're starting off the right way. And I, I just hope, you know, that Kansas City Royal fans, that this gives them a platform to – I know it always feels like it's a small market team, right? You live in the heart of Kansas City. Um, how far away do you live from the stadium? I'm about, uh, on a good day, I'll take you about 14 minutes from my driveway to a parking spot. Okay. So you understand the pulse of the great sports city that Kansas City is. I have yet to actually be at a Royals game in person or let alone in Kansas City. But man, like, I understand the argument, right, that market platforms don't talk about Kansas City. And and I think this kind of gives them the fans the platform to really get the pulse right of what's happening the excitement level not only in every year but this season in particular i'm not a homer we are not employed by the kansas city royals so this is not a royals fan or employee podcast but i truly do have the excitement of this kansas city royals team this year i'm the same way you know before opening day we always talk about like that's the most hopeful you can ever be as a baseball fan. We're all in first place. And the way that we've started the season off, I'm still very hopeful. I was opening day game where Luke Chaver gave up seven runs at the top of the first inning. And we just decided, all right, it's time for beers now. Um, and then I was at opening day last week and we saw what happened. But then look at what happened in the bottom of the first. So I really feel like this is a baseball team that you can't count out at any point. Uh, and this is a team that can score runs at will. And I'm, I'm just excited baseball's back to begin with. I'd be happy to watch us go 0-162. Obviously, that's not going to happen. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just so pumped baseball's back. I'm pumped to be at the K. Uh, I'm shooting for 30 games at the K this year. That's always my goal. Uh, my cardboard cutout was at 30 home games last year. So I, I got to beat him. <laughs> now, did you get him back? How does that work? Yeah, he lives in my house. And I moved him around to freak my wife out. And uh, he, he's taken on the uh, – we call him – I call him Flat Danner, but my son and my wife call him Flat Daddy. So we'll move we'll move Flat Daddy around. And sometimes I'll stash him in our master bathroom and forget that I've done that. And Flat Daddy spooks me. <laughs> That's payback. That's it payback. is, yeah. In the middle, like I'll get up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, look over, and there's Flat Daddy staring me down, and it freaks me out, man. Now, what about the dogs? Does it bother the dogs? You know, um, Walt Dog, who's our, our older uh, white pit bull, doesn't seem to care. And I have not gotten him out around Juniper, our new blue pit yet. Um, but I think I need to this afternoon after talking about it. All right. All right. Well, um, 
again, this is a new podcast, so we'll go over the bullet points of where you can find us. I believe we are on every single place you can find podcasts, which are a lot of places these days. And then we'll also be on YouTube. And then you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for more information um, about the podcast. And we're going to shoot for at least one episode every single week. And if something crazy happens, um, then we'll do more, you know, like the special episodes. But we're planning on definitely one episode a week. Um, so stay tuned for more of a podcast schedule as the season rolls around. But without further ado, let's get into the interview that Danner and I did with MLB Hall of Famer and Royals legend, George Brett. Joining the Believe in Royals podcast, George Brett, Major League Baseball Hall of Famer. George, first off, thanks again for coming on the podcast today. It's only just a few days into the, this 2021 season, but what has been your first impressions on this Kansas City Royals team? I'm pretty encouraged. I think the offense is, uh, has done a pretty good job. You know, the first opening day, we give up five runs in the top of the first and uh, and uh, come back with five in the bottom. I think we end up winning the game 14 or something, 16 to eight or something. And then the next day we're losing four nothing after three innings and come back and win. Uh, I think we scored 11 runs. Uh, yesterday they threw a really good um, guy, threw a, a couple of guys through really good games. Uh, I think his name was Wiles and Benjamin uh, threw really good against us down in Texas uh, uh, for the Astro or for the uh, Rangers. But uh, all in all, I'm pretty impressed. Uh, they're, they're playing hard. Some of the new guys are, are fitting right in. Never really saw Michael Taylor play before, but uh, really, really impressed with not only his uh, work in center field, but also on the bases and um, and uh, at the plate. I mean, the guy's a stud. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of fun when you get new guys in the organization, you haven't seen them play, and they play really well the first three or four games of the season because it kind of gives you some upside of what you can think to expect the rest of the year. It's, it's interesting. There, there have been times where the Royals get down and you think, oh, man, this game's over. But every time Michael A. Taylor came to bat, I'm like, this guy has the opportunity to do something big right now and change this game. Uh, George, was, was there something in the first, you know, series? I know it's an incredibly small sample size, but was there anything that you saw where you said, yeah, I saw that coming, or is there anything that really surprised you uh, from the team? Well, I think the performance of him, I, I, I've seen Santana play quite a bit. I know what to expect out of him. Uh, guy that filled in for Dozier the last couple of days, answer, he, pretty, he looked pretty good, not only at third base, and and uh, but also at the plate. I haven't seen him play much. Uh, it was kind of ironic with COVID this year. I, uh, normally, I go to spring training, and I suit up every game and every practice, have the luxury of just kind of doing what I want to do. I can talk to hitters. I can talk to guys about if I think they made a base running mistake. I could just, I'm just kind of an extra set of eyes and ears and, and uh, I have free reign, but with COVID, I didn't go this year. Mm -hmm. uh, the restrictions were, um, the protocol was real strict and I had my son living with me. My wife was down there and uh, I just didn't feel like I wanted to be locked in a locked in a room and be in a bubble at age 67. So I didn't do any spring training this year. And it was, uh, it was, uh, I was like a fan opening day because I didn't know what to expect from any of the young kids. Mm -hmm. 
and um, or any of the new kids. Some of them aren't young, but uh, I was very, very, very impressed. I knew Isbell was performing pretty good. Uh, I saw him the last couple of years in spring training, and uh, you could see him getting better and better each year. Did I think he was going to make the major league team? No. Did he do well his first three games? He did extremely well. He fit right in. And uh, so it, it, it's been exciting. It's been real exciting for me to go out there in the ballpark. Um, I know I'll be watching the game this afternoon. I'll be watching the game tomorrow. And uh, love to watch the games on TV. And uh, I'll be watching a lot of them. And ho- hopefully when they uh, come back, they'll come back with a winning record and continue to play well. The, the one thing that was really sad, I think, in my opinion, was that, you know, Texas is going home today. They're going to have 50,000 people in the state or 45,000, whatever that stadium holds. We were limited to 10, 15,000 people. And I think if we could have had our normal 40,000 opening day, I mean, that opening day in the second game of the season, I think they could have made some really, really avid fans for the team this year. They would start following them. But but all in all, it was a a good series, uh, a good good start to the season. A lot of guys got their feet wet, and uh, a lot of them got off on... on, on, um, on the right foot and you know you got a guy like Whit Merrifield who I think is one of the best players in the game of baseball what can't he do he can do everything and of course he got off to a fast start too which is always good have you seen Bobby Wood Jr. up close and personal yet I saw Bobby Wood Jr. last year in spring training I didn't go this year but from what I understand and talking to some of the players uh talking to our front office they were very 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 impressed but the one thing that you got to do is you got to err on the side of caution with a guy like that he's only had like 120 140 minor league at bats he's not ready for the major leagues yet uh hopefully he'll get off to a fast start when minor league season starts and uh be up here uh be up here because from what i understand he's got all he's got everything and all you need to be a successful major league player it was interesting watching you know what, what i'll call like royals baseball twitter freaking out, you know, watching his performance this spring and then being so bummed out to see him not make the opening day roster. But I was relieved. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what the guy does in the future, but I don't see any any reason to rush him given that baseball is such a long process and the season is so long. Uh, I think it's great to give him that opportunity to develop in the minor league and see what he can do against more professional pitching. Well, you know, and, and it's a tough, they always say the, the hardest thing to do is judge people in spring training. Uh, because a lot of times you're facing double-A, triple-A pitchers, and, um, you know, guys are a little nervous, guys that really don't have the chance, but you need you need those guys in spring training to play all the games that you play. I really think if they said, okay, we're only going to have 10 spring training games this year, people would come to spring training in better shape, pitchers would be throwing more in the offseason and do the routine, and all of a sudden, uh, spring training, you, you, you could get a better evaluation out of spring training, but... Uh, but uh, I'm sure the Royals saw that, you know, with, with Bobby Witt, they started games. He was playing against major league pitching in some of the games. I know he took one of the Dodgers deep. The guy that pitched a great game yesterday for the Dodgers took him deep. But, uh, no, they're very, very, very impressed with him. Uh, from what I understand, and uh, not, not only from our general manager, but uh, other people in the organization and scouts. I uh, have some scouts, uh, some friends of mine that are scouts for other teams. They're very, very impressed with what he's what he's done so far in spring training this year. And, and they've got really high ceiling for him when the season starts and he gets up to the big leagues. And it's only been just a handful of games, but going from your just experience George, how crucial is a month of April uh, to a major league season? Well, it can bury teams. Uh, teams that have uh, teams that have 
been struggling as of late, and we have been ever since the World Series run. Um, if they got off to a good start this year, it's going to give everybody a lot of confidence. I, I guarantee when they were down 5 nothing in the first inning, a lot of the fans were saying, oh, God, here we go again. Another terrible start to the season. And sure enough, they came back, scored five at the bottom of the first, and then they were down 8-5 to five and came back and just ran away with the game. But uh, uh, when you start having success early in the season, it can carry over. And uh, these guys are still getting to know each other a little bit. And... Um, from what I understand, I haven't been in the clubhouse. I'm not a tier one. I'm not a tier two. Uh, I go in the stadium like everybody else, and I just go up to the fourth fourth level and watch the game in a suite with our general manager. But uh, from what I understand, talking to the clubhouse kids and talking to the, some of the people that are downstairs in the locker room every day, they say that's a great group of guys, and that always helps. If you have great camaraderie and great spirit in the locker room, that sometimes that carries out of the out on the field, and um, and uh, so you know we got that covered. Um, I think winning a couple of games in Cleveland would be good. Then you go to the White Sox, who have really improved over the last few years. Win a couple of games there, and, and it could really catapult them into a successful April. I feel like something you touched on when you said it's a good group of guys has been something that we you know the Royals have always talked about and fans have always talked about is that. Are, you know, we want good baseball players, but we want good humans first. How involved are you in, in meeting some of these guys that we're looking at or talking to their families or, you know, making decisions about who we're going to pursue? Well, yeah, Dayton does a great job in that. He doesn't want any cancer in the clubhouse. Uh, I'm sure there are guys that he could assign, guys that he could have traded for, and the word gets out that they're not they're not concerned about winning. All they care about is themselves. They don't hustle. They don't. Uh, they're kind of a cancer in the clubhouse. Those guys don't play in Kansas City. He wants good quality individuals. Um, and Dayton, Dayton's a kind of a unique guy. He's uh, he's all about stuff like that. He wants he wants. Um, you know, good personalities. He wants guys that will get along with one another and be able to play baseball. Some of the best baseball players I ever played with weren't, weren't the best teammates and they didn't stick around very long. I'm not going to mention any names, but when they, when you get a guy that doesn't care about winning, uh, for instance, if uh, the team wins, he goes over four, he's in the corner of the locker room pouting. Hmm. If the team loses and he goes three for four, he's, he's happy, smiling, he's joking around with everybody. Those guys don't last long in Kansas City. And uh, you saw it in 14 and 15 when you brought up Moustakas, Hosmer, traded for Kane, Escobar. Those guys were really close-knit group of guys. They really were. It took them a while to get to the level of uh, being, a, being a, a championship team. Uh, Dayton put together that great bullpen. Um, those guys all got along extremely well. And, you know, we played a five-inning game because we had five guys out there that were all closers. And we were just and we were winning after, winning after five innings. Um, the, the game was over, basically. Mm-hmm. I, I think our bullpen is that good. Obviously, our starting pitching has not been very good this year. But uh, it's only one star eats. But uh, I think our bullpen has done an extremely good job. And the guys in the field seem to get along and play together real hard. And it, it should be a fun. I, I, it should be a really fun year in Kansas City this year. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. George, everyone always says baseball changes every single year. What would you wish, going back to your playing days, wish that something that baseball has nowadays you wish was implemented or part of the game that you played during your career? Uh, well, obviously, I don't want instant replay. 
Okay. The uh, or the the uh, yeah the instant replay where you can challenge calls because we probably might probably wouldn't have won the '85 World Series if they yeah. had that uh, uh, instant replay, but uh, or whatever they call that. But uh, you know, I, I I'm very happy when when I played. They haven't changed that many rules. You know, to bring in a guy that he has to face three batters now, I trash in my opinion. Um, um, what about the runner uh, on second base and extra innings? I like that idea. I you really do. do. I like it. Oh. I like it. I, and you know what? I love I love seven inning double headers. I think it's great. Hmm. I think it's great if you played seven inning double headers. You could play them. Uh, you could play. You could play one every two weeks. It wouldn't be that that taxing on the players. But to play to play two nine inning games, and and I played a lot of them. Were uh, back back then they didn't have those those day night double headers. You know where you play a game at one, then you play another one at seven o'clock. Um, we would play 30 minutes later, another game would start. And, you know, you're playing in July and August in the heat in Kansas City on AstroTurf. It's 100 degrees outside. And, and, uh, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, you go out and lose seven or eight pounds the first game, then you got to go play another one. It's really taxing on mm-hmm. players. But I think a 14 inning doubleheader would be is great. I love the idea. We had one or two of those games last year in Kansas City with a runner on second base. The other team, there's no outs. The the the, the other team, uh, first guy up hits a pop up, next guy uh, hits a ground ball, next guy flies out to the wall. Okay, we come up, we have a runner on second base, we butted him over, and the first guy up hit a sack fly game over. You know, it it, it can bring it can bring the, the little uh, the little ball back into the game. You know, because sometimes all you need is one run. I don't know many teams that hit and run. I don't know many teams that bunt anymore. The Royals do that. The Royals will hit and run. Uh, we hit and run, hit and ran yesterday, and the guy hit a line drive right to the shortstop, double play. But you know, we got to play exciting baseball. We we just can't sit around and, and try to hit three run home runs every inning. And mm-hmm. and, uh, and that's what the game's gotten to. In fourteen and fifteen, we did a lot of bunting. We did a lot of hitting and running. We stole a lot of bases. And that's what you're going to see in Kansas City. Maybe one or two teams in all of baseball are going to play that way. We can sit back and play the long ball with Salvador Perez, and from what I see with Michael Taylor, and uh, and even with Merrifield's already got two home runs. But we got to be able to put the ball in play, uh, avoid strikeouts. The game, to me, when 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 I played baseball, strikeouts were bad. Now strikeouts are bad, and it's really hard for me to watch all these strikeouts. I think mm. yesterday we struck out fourteen times. That's too many strikeouts. You got to be able to put the ball in play to win, and. Uh, and that's the way the Royals are going to play. You, you mentioned having fans back in the stands. How does that affect your experience of the game? I mean, you, obviously it'd be great if we could have, you know, 41,000 folks there. But being there, I was there uh, Thursday and then yesterday. I'm just happy to be back. And I think a lot of fans feel that way. And the energy's there, but it is. We're, we're spaced out. It's harder to get Let's Go Royals starting. Um, it, it, it's, it's interesting, but it, it's happy to be ba- I'm happy to be back. It's exciting, but it's also, it doesn't feel quite right yet. That's not quite right, but it's a lot better than last year. I went to about 20 games last year in Kansas City, and nobody was in the stands, and that was really hard to watch. And I look back at my career, uh, the two teams that I probably played the worst against were the Cleveland Indians and the Oakland A's. Well, you would go to Cleveland in the old municipal stadium. The stadium held 80,000 people. It's where the Browns played. And there would be 4,000 people in the stands. And you'd walk up to the plate and you'd go, there was just no excitement. There was no Mm -hmm. adrenaline. 
you know, and then you'd go to Oakland and there'd be four or 5,000 people in the stands. And it was just hard. I'd go to Yankee stadium who was always had good pitching and I would, my performance was 10 times better. The more people in the stands, the better I played mm -hmm. because I felt like it meant something. And, you know, last year there were some guys like Santana had a really bad year offensively. Um, and, and I was talking to uh, one of the guys that uh, works at the front office. And I said, you know what? I just throw every all the stats out from last year. It doesn't mean a thing because nobody was in the stands. Nobody was in the stands. And I said, I don't care how bad a guy played. He's better than that. Hmm. And sure enough, you know, the Royals went out. And this is after they signed Santana. Um, and I was talking to him opening day about stuff like that. But to me, to me, in order to get the players really amped up, unless you're a rookie, and if you've been around for a long time, you need people in the stands. You need noise. You need excitement. You, it, 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 it's got to be a, the, the place to be. And... Um, and uh, hopefully with this, uh, you know, everybody getting their vaccinations and, and more and more people doing it, the, the stadiums will start opening up a little bit because it's exciting to play baseball in front of a lot of people. And it had to be so boring last year. I mean, I, I went to games. It was brutal. One time I went and sat in the upper deck. I was the only one sitting up there. And I was yelling at the players, you know. <laughs> I've never sat in the upper deck before. I've never been up there. So I just said, I'm going to go sit up the upper deck. What did you and think of it? Did you like the, the view? The thing is I got a foul ball. I got a foul ball. Did you year. really? <laughs> and what did you think of the view? Uh, you know, actually, it wasn't bad. I was right behind home plate. It wasn't bad at all. It's like when I go to a football game, I don't want to sit really close to the field. I want to sit high mm -hmm. and see everything open up, you know? Mm -hmm. Guy hits a fly ball and you can see, you, 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 get, you got a good bird's eye view of what's going on and the movement of the players on the field. It was it was good. I liked it up there. I sat in uh, 420 row double X at the very top uh, of opening day and you're right behind home plate. You can see where the ball is on the plate. It's amazing. You can see everything. I to go all the way to the top, top. I mean, I, I could have, I could have went and sat up there if I wanted to, but I just <laughs> first row right behind, uh, right behind home plate in the upper deck was a great seat. Wow. Yeah. Well, George, the last question I have for you is simple. If a 15 year old kid walked up to George Brett right now and said, George, I am never going to be a baseball fan and it's boring to me. What would you say to him? Oh, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I said, it's not that boring to me. I mean, I love watching it. I really do. You have to understand. I mean, if he's a, if he's a baseball player, I think he would understand the movement and the, the grace of the game, um, um, the fluidity of the game, uh, the strategy of the game. Um, I know baseball is trying to do things to make it more appealing to the young people. Uh, back when I played, I mean, if you hit a double and you slid into second base and started celebrating or uh, hit a home run and you threw your bat down, bat flip, and took a couple hops like Castellino did the other day, uh, I don't know if you guys saw that. Uh, and the next time he came up, he got drilled. I mean, that's the way it was when I played. Yeah. Now it's part of the game. I think they're, you know, it's like even like the NBA or the NFL. I mean, they're allowing celebrations after a guy scores a touchdown and sacks and things like that, uh, trying to appeal to the younger generation. Um, so the game is trying to appeal to them, to the younger generation. Is, is it working? I really don't know. But uh, that's a good question. Um, 
I'll ask, uh, I'm going to take my dog on a walk right now, and I usually see well, school's in session. Today's Monday. So uh, the next time I ask a 14-year-old kid, I see a 14-year-old kid, I'll ask him that question, and maybe you'll have me back on your show sometime, and I'll tell you the response. We would love that. I think it's just such an interesting question. Again, I mean, you just have a different perspective than the, most people, as you know. Well, so, I played the game for 21 years. Right. You know, actually, I played the game since I was seven years old, and I played till I was 40. So I played for 33 years. So I kind of understand the ebb and flow of the game of mm -hmm. baseball, and you know, the movements, and and uh, you know, you kind of expect to see some things, and and um, question the other um, question uh, the the managers, and you know, the the one thing that I that that. That, that, that I think would, is, is exciting for baseball is the hit and runs, stolen bases, guys stretching singles to doubles, and that's what you don't see in baseball anymore. There's too many strikeouts. There's there's too many walks. Mm -hmm. or there's not enough walks. There's just too many strikeouts in the game, and there's no action. Mm -hmm. If you cut down, if you cut down on strikeouts and the shift, I think the shift's a great idea. I mean, I love the shift. If they would have put the shift on me, I would have hit four fifty every year. Because <laughs> I'm I'm not stupid enough to try to hit it to where everybody is. And, and and I learned how to hit the ball the opposite way. People don't learn that anymore. Yeah. Players don't learn that. You know, all you have to do to hit the ball the opposite way is back off the plate about four inches. Mm -hmm. That's all you gotta do. That's all you got to do is back off the plate four inches and you can hit a ball on the inside corner to the other side. All you got to do, uh, all you got to do is do that once or twice and they won't put the shift on anymore. And then you can back up four inches closer to the plate and then you can start pulling the ball if you want to. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll never forget opening day, his first half bat, Ben Attendee. What did he do? He had a line drive to shortstop. They had the shift on, he had a line drive right where the shortstop would have been playing. And I'm going, what a concept. This guy's, this guy's got an idea how to play the game, mm -hmm. you know? And I said, I said, if he does it again, a second at bat, I guarantee the third at bat, they're going to put the shortstop where he belongs. And then he can hit balls up the middle and he can hit one by the second baseman if he wants to. And, uh, but uh, to, to get hitters to do that, for some reason, they just don't want to hit the ball the opposite way. Mm -hmm. Salvador Perez came up the other day. We were, we were behind and uh, runner on first, and they had everybody on the left side. And I could just tell by the way he swung. The guy threw a, sl a slider, and it was middle in, and he committed to just hitting a routine ground ball or a jam shot to right field. And that's exactly what he did the first pitch. He just went the other way. Next thing you know, it's first and third. Next guy gets a base hit. Sal goes to second. Next guy hits a double. Sal scores. You know, instead of hitting the ball to where everybody is, Sal showed me something. He really showed me something. Ben Attendee showed me something. And we just need more guys to do that. And I think once we start doing that, the offense will really get on a roll. Mm. Well, you said it better than anyone could, George. And we want to say thanks so much for taking the time to come on our podcast this morning and man that that was such a great breakdown thanks for doing that okay thanks what, what's the name of your podcast because every time i walk i i walk my dog and i always listen to podcasts i don't listen to radio anymore what's so, the name of your podcast so this is actually it's the believe in royals podcast it's not out yet you're going to be the first episode so oh, okay okay um, believe in royals yep so i'll send you the link um i'll text okay, you over yeah, the, send link. You the link that and would be good. Uh, yeah thanks again for doing it okay pal Talk awesome. Have a great day. Well,
That was, I no one better we could have gotten to break down and give us some incredible insight. I mean, what George did at the end of that interview, Danner, when he went into depth about why he loves the game of baseball and what makes it different and stand out than any other sport. I mean, that's the reason why you can really tell, like just hearing how he speaks, like, yep, that guy is a Hall of Famer. For sure. Uh, and I'm, I'm really proud of both of us. We played it totally cool talking to MLB Hall of Famer George Brett. We didn't geek out. We played it cool. But uh, what I was struck by is how, I mean, I know George does a ton of interviews, ton of podcasts. He's, you know, media pro. But I feel like he really let us into the way he thinks about baseball and the way he looks at it. And, and then also, I, I was really struck by him talking about uh, the way Dayton Moore cares so much about the team as a family. Uh, I, I watched a great interview with, uh, with Mike Matheny uh, recently where he was talking about how much these guys love each other. And he stressed the word love. And I think you can really get that sense when you hear George talk about uh, the way Dayton approaches the team and, and just sort of the whole the whole team as a thing. And it, it, to me, it's more than just the guys on the field. Uh, it's front office folks. It's the folks you interact with at the K. You, you get that feeling that this really is, um, I mean, it's a business, it's an organization, but it is a baseball family. And I think that's really special. Well, I, I think what shows is like what the Royals did when almost every single other or every other major league baseball team didn't do last year when the pandemic hit, right? The Royals laid no one off. They right. still paid everyone. And that's just, I mean, it's a business, right? But at the end of the day, the Kansas City Royals, they care about their employees and who works for them. And it's a family first, not a business first in Kansas City. Um, so that just shows that there is just something different about this club. There's something that is special. And I think that stands out more than anything Um in, in this great game of baseball for sure and I, I think it's also worth noting that this is last season was the first year of ownership for john sherman as well in the new ownership group so when you when you buy a business one of the first things you want to do is make money and and john sherman spent money last year in order to make sure everyone stayed paid and sure people can say well he's a billionaire of course he is but look at how many billionaires didn't do that over the past season or how many teams had players step up and pay folks uh, so I, I think it's a really special thing we have going on in Kansas City. And a great point about Mr. Sherman, but also he cares about the product that goes on the field, right? So you bring up a great point. He's a new owner of the team. Yes, he has, you know, a great reputation, right? And he's a billionaire, but still, like, he put money back into the team after losing money to build this incredible team, signing Carlos Santana, bringing in Mike Miner trading for Bennett Tenney to get him in. Well, Dayton did that. But still, like he got these pieces around and, and he said, okay, yes, even though we took a hit in 2020, we still care about the product that's going out on the field. Not every team in Major League Baseball is doing that right now. So I, I think that speaks to higher values. And if the baseball gods, right, wanted to say, okay, well, this is what you're going to do. Well, let's see what happens. I think the Royals um, – Man, they're just an exciting team to watch. I know I predicted that this is going to be a second wild card team, um, depending on how things go. I, I I don't know. Do you agree? Do you see this team being enough to get into the postseason uh, conversation down the line? You know, I hope so. I think you know baseball is so wonky with what happens. Um, you could start hot and then have a horrible month, or you could start horrible and have 
an amazing run after that. But, but based on what I've seen uh, with the ability of guys to, to come in in those situations where uh, it's not easy to come back, coming down from 5-0 on opening day or putting hits together like we've seen in other games, you know, really in, in Kansas City, it keeps the line moving a lot. That's Royals baseball, small ball. We don't have guys who mash, you know, 50 home runs every year. Um, we don't bring in massive talent, you know, on huge contracts. We develop from within. So, yeah, I mean, I think we have that potential for sure. 100%. But, Dano, it's always great to talk with you and excited to do this podcast with you throughout the season. Um, so, again, you can follow us on social media. Where can people follow you? Uh, on Twitter, I'm Jeremy underscore Danner. Um, that's probably the best way to get a hold of me and we can chat and talk baseball. If there's anything you want us to talk about or you disagree with anything we've said, uh, Twitter's an awesome place to discuss disagreements, right? So, uh, but let's do that there. Yeah, that's probably the best place to get a hold of me. I don't know if you saw my uh, tweet, but I was watching Sunday Night Baseball um, this past week and Matt Vaskersen, he was doing the Angels White Sox game. And he said, every baseball fan loves every single tradition about the game. And I quote tweeted that. I think he meant it like to be funny, but I took it as like he was being serious, like in a funny way. So I tweeted, I quote tweeted him, you know, like Matt Vaskersian says this. And I said, Twitterless Matt Vaskersian <laughs> because he doesn't have Twitter. So what Twitter right. does is like every single baseball tradition, everyone hates um, so it's funny <laughs> that he said that. And I was like, yeah, I don't think so, Matty V. Um, I'm like, maybe if you join Twitter, you would see in the first minute that uh, not every fan or every fan loves traditions in baseball. You know, for like for every moment that Twitter is a burning lake of sulfur, there's tons of positive that have come from it as well. Um, it's a great networking tool. It's a great spot. Like this if, podcast. If Right for Twitter. We're not doing this right now. <laughs> Wouldn't be here. If there's something that you love, there's someone talking about it on Twitter right now. And if there's something you hate, there's someone talking about that too. That's right. That's why you love the muted words options on Twitter. Oh, dude. Use it hard. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the muted accounts, the best. Um, but Jeremy, uh, Danner, and I are excited to do this podcast. And again, follow us on social media. Listen every single week. And drop that five-star rating wherever you get your podcast. So for Danner, I'm Alex Hughes. Have a great rest of your day. And we'll be seeing you next week. Enjoy baseball. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.